Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino. I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Bob Schaefer. This is Touch Em All, episode 383 on our network. I want to thank a few people before I turn it over to Bob here to introduce our great guest today. Got a packed show. This is the first end of a Wednesday doubleheader. We have the Hall of Famer Jim Cott following this up with a little Shohei Otani breakdown and Army-Navy breakdown too. But I want to thank our audience here. We're closing in at 60,000 mark. We appreciate your support. You guys know what to do. Uh, five stars, write some great comments. Keep us climbing up the iHeartRadio podcast network rankings here. And then to our sponsor, Blackout Coffee. Coffee's going to be on Bob this month. Make sure when you check out, use Bob's code. Bob, what is your code right now? Do you have that handy? Capital B-O-B-S 20, Bob's 20. So Bob's 20, all caps 20. Coffee's going to be on Bob this month, next month, probably through all of 2024. So uh, use that code at checkout. You'll get 20% off all your purchases. I want to thank our very first guest we ever had on the network. Uh, took a shot on us and has been our greatest supporter, Ted Kubiak. We're looking for a stocking stuff for this Christmas for a baseball lover. Old School is a wonderful book. It's about Ted's time in baseball. Uh, gives the gives gives a perspective from his lens as to what's happened to the game as well. And also, he's got a great fielding manual, How to Field a Ground Ball, the most comprehensive approach to fielding the ball that I've seen so far. Nothing like you're seeing on these YouTube channels here, thank God. But uh, those two books are great for the holiday for a baseball lover. With that, Bob, welcome back to your show. Glad to have you. Well, good, day. Good to be back. And we have an exciting guest today, uh, Ron Copa, Major League umpire. Uh, I don't know where we first met, but probably when I was coaching. I'm sure it was when we were coaching. And we stayed in contact when I was scouting, but... His first year was uh, he went into umpiring school in 1992, and six years later he got to the major leagues. He's always been one of the top umpires for me in the game, and uh, a great guy would never back down, uh, hustle all the way, all the way up to the last out of the game, and that's what I respected about him. But uh, he's had many uh, career highlights. He, he umpired the All Star game. He umpired uh, ten division wild card games. He umpired four World Series. For two World Series, but four championship games. Uh, he umpired a World Baseball Classic, and recently he was named uh, crew chief for umpire crew chief, which is a top of the level of umpires. But he's had uh, pitch, uh, worked two no hitters. Uh, he worked the game with Derek Jeter, got the three thousands hit, and yeah, just a great guy. One reason I think he was a great umpire is a really good college player. He learned the game, and umpires, you know, they got to anticipate just like players do, and he's been really good umpire because of the fact I think he had good experience as a player. So without further ado, uh, Ron, welcome to our show. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me, and that's uh, some very nice, kind words of you, Bob. Good to, uh, good to talk to you both. Well, like I said, it's good to have you, and uh, like I said, I have a little empathy for the umpires because I was a basketball official, so I understand what you go through, and one thing about you, you never threw me out. Only got thrown out three times in twelve years, so that wasn't too bad either. So, anyway, uh, we can talk about a lot of things happening in the game today. Uh, you know, one thing about the injuries: a lot of players are getting concussions. And what, what do you think that is all about? You know, I think the just the, the speed of the game, how it's changed, uh, the dynamics of the, the the way the game's taught, especially with catchers, uh, the protocol that we have with Major League Baseball. Um, you know, it's top notch, just like you see with any other sport with NFL, the way uh, they, you know, they, they treat the catchers now when they get banged up back there. Uh, 
the program that MLB is, has is fantastic. Uh, plus, I just you know people ask me these questions a lot of time because you know I've had I've had four concussions that I know of, and uh, you know one of them kept me out like three months, so it, it rocked me pretty good a couple of years ago. And I just think the, the speed of the game. I mean, we have so many guys that come in and they're throwing 100, 101, 102, 103. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think the way sometimes, as, as me and you have talked about, the way these catchers are, uh, are per, you know, receiving the baseball nowadays, they get down on one knee, kind of like Tony Pena did back in the day, and they're trying to steal that low pitch and, uh, you know, to stick that low pitch and get that pitch called a strike. And I think we have times where we have a lot of guys that, you know, throw 102, 103 now, and these guys are down on uh, – on one knee and and I don't think sometimes they can catch up to that high fastball and uh, we've got video after video after video if we're just we're just wearing these uh these high fastballs well as a baseball guy older baseball guy and I think Dave agrees the pitch catchers down on one knee is I don't understand that at all I mean I know it's pitch framing but I think pitch framing is kind of a bogus stat also but to me a catcher has to call a good game has to block the balls and throw runners out and I don't think pitch framing, uh, you're as an umpire, you don't call it where to catch your pulls the ball in, do you? No, I mean, we, we, we call it when that ball crosses the plate. And that's why, you know, I, we got so many good young catchers out there. But I think that has to do with, as you guys know, that's that's the new analytics. You know, they've got all these numbers that show that if they receive the ball like that, you know, their strike ratio is going to go up. Well, I never umpire, but it seems to me that uh, a bad catcher could pull a ball out of strike zone, but Good catches, theoretically, can't put it into the strike zone. So, like you said, you call where it goes over the plate or doesn't go over the plate. And, you know, like when I was coaching, you could yell the ball wasn't higher, the ball wasn't low. But now when they yank it in, you can yell the ball was outside because why would he yank it in? So it's just, I don't know, just anti-baseball for me when they do it now. It's just, a, you know, that's that's just one one way the game has changed. And, uh, you know, these guys, like I said, they, we got a lot of guys that, that get down very low like Tony Pena used to do. And it's uh, it's definitely made a difference on the way uh, we're getting smoked by these uh, foul balls and pitches that uh, you know, catchers just miss. And that, that's one thing that's really the numbers have gone up on our side. Is we've, got, so we've got some catchers out there. They just sometimes they miss the 102 and the 103. It goes right past our head, right past my ear. But uh, it definitely has something to do with it. Yeah, well, I, I'm good friends with Tony. I actually coached with Tony. I watched him play a lot you know, in my younger days, his younger days. And he'd get down low, but he'd never do it with two strikes where the ball got by him, the guy's on base. He'd never do it with guys on base. He did it other times. But now these guys get down on one knee, no matter what that situation is, how many guys on base, what the count is. And I just think that, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, like I say, your job is to block balls. And a lot yeah. of balls get by the catchers now because they can't move. 100%. Hey, Ron, how has, as, as we're talking body position now and you're, we're talking injuries, how has the new positioning of the catchers affected the way you set up behind home plate now? now well, both both self-preservation and seeing the, seeing the pitch. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot two, so I've always had to like – I've always been uh, big on getting on the inside part of that catcher so I can see that inside strike. Uh, that inside strike. And a lot of these guys, you know, it's, I, I hate to keep saying it, but it, it's the analytics, you know. And these guys just go by nothing but numbers. I mean, back in the day when I got to the big leagues, the catcher would come out and say, hey, let me know if I can't see. Nowadays, you don't even get that anymore from these young catchers because, you know, they've been told this is the, this is the way you're going to catch this guy. We need to, we need to pound this hitter in. And, and, and I've had catchers say, sorry, Ron, that's where they want me. So we have to make the adjustment, you know, because, you know, our job is to get, the, you know, the balls 
the pitch right. So uh, we have to make the adjustment. But, um, you know, being a big guy like me, I've always tried to get, get down in the and, um, and put my eyes at the top of that strike zone so I get a good look at the pitch there. So that's the, regardless of how the catcher is, that's where your eyes are locked yeah, in. That's that's it. We, we used to like we were taught we all our, our eyes were at the top of the strike zone, no matter where the catchers were. And you know, but nowadays, wait, like some of these guys where they receive, we have to make our own adjustments. So my son's a catcher, and I we have a we have a very broad, uh, very robust youth audience. Uh, a lot of catchers, a lot of pitchers, and what and you'll be Bob's happy because if he's if you're if you're umpiring and he's fortunate enough to make it someday. Um, he's been taught to catch on both feet and, uh, he he tells the umpires right away. And I kind of, I wanted you to chat about this with the young kids out there. He's been, he's been advised to develop relationships with the umpires, not so much to, you know, influence the game, but to help the game look better, be better and, and to learn. And what's your, what's your advice to, to young catchers out there and even pro catchers as they're coming in? in that catcher umpire relationship as they enter the game. And I, I will say this, I, I looked at my son's bag the other day. He had about 20 really nice baseballs in there. And I was like, you're not snagging balls from our bucket, are you? And uh, he's like, no, these are from, these are from the season. Cause he, what he does, he tells the umpire, he's like, I, you're not going to get touched today. I promise you. That's and, great. Uh, when it works, he, he gets a little baseball back there. So, um, but what, what would be your advice to, to young players as they're, they're entering a game? How should that umpire catcher relationship go? I think it's great when a, when a new catcher comes out. Like we have so many young players in the game now that they come out young catchers and they introduce themselves and they shake our hands. And I, you know, 10, 12 years ago, that was never ever done in the big leagues or even in the minor leagues when I was in the minor leagues. And I think it's great for these young kids to come out and introduce themselves. It shows, you know, that, you know, that we're human too. And we don't see these players as much as we used to because we're only seeing them, you know, two or three series uh, throughout the season now compared to what, when I first got to the big leagues. But I would tell all young catchers, uh, even my son played college baseball. He wasn't a catcher, but I always made sure that he introduced himself to that plate umpire and the base umpire when he was when he was playing. And uh, I think it's I think it goes a long way as far as professionalism, sportsmanship and shows that, hey, listen, I know we're all out here to do the best we can. But we're going to make mistakes, whether we're umpires or players, and I think that's I think that goes a long way. That's actually my joke with the umpires. I always when I I coached college basketball for twenty years, and I never got thrown out. Um, I always joked with the the referees, and now I, I did coach college baseball as well at time. And I used to tell them, "Listen, if you guys don't get on me about all the times we screw up today, I won't say a word to you. I promise." Um, and yeah. because you know, we're going to make mistakes too, as coaches, as players. But I, I like what you said about shaking the hands. We try to employ that with the kids as well, and I, I offer that to our audience. After games especially, um, regardless of what happens, go up and say thank you to the umpires because I guarantee nobody wakes up in the morning saying, I'm going to go get little Johnny today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him out at first or you know punch him out on third strike. But uh, I think that's a great message to the kids, no matter what level you're at. Please and thank you. It's a long way. It was really weird when it first started. Like it only, That's only been going on for about maybe six or seven years. And when it first started – we were like, wow, this guy really want to shake my hand. <laughs> he, he's getting, he's, he's not going to want to shake my hand in about 20 minutes, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, I, I think it's very, I think it's a great look, especially when the, when the young players and these, and these fans are sitting at the games and they see that starting catcher run out and, and shake the umpire's hand. I think it goes a long way. I agree. I, you know, I officiated high school and college basketball and 
also had an empathy for the for the umpires because I knew how tough it was. I mean, people don't realize how tough it is an umpire officiating any sport. Yeah. But uh, I also had respect for them. Uh, I know I coached with a couple guys, a couple different places. I hated the umpires. And they never umpired before. They never realized how tough it was. And I think one reason you guys had a little tough time is because the square on TV is not the same square as the real strike zone. Is that right? So yeah, it's, it's different than, than what we're graded on. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, that's basically there for the fans and I know the fans love it, but uh, we, you know, we've got some data that shows on our end that, you know, let's just say the, the Cubs are playing the, the White Sox and each team's got their own broadca- broadcast, of course, and the box on TV for the Cubs broadcast will be different than the box on TV for the White Sox telecast. So, which is mind boggling, but that's just the way it goes. So as, as you know, from our perspective, we don't really get caught up on that. Uh, I don't, I really don't lose sleep or even think about that because, you know, I've had friends of mine say, man, that box, tell me something about that box. And I just, well, I said, I just, it's there for the fans, for their entertainment. And uh, as, as from our level and, and our side, we, we don't lose too much sleep over that one. You guys get graded on every pitch you call, is that right? That's correct. We get graded on every pitch we call, every play we have on the bases. Uh, after I get done working the plate, I can log on the next day, and I'll see every pitch that was thrown that game, and I can see every pitch that I made a decision on. And uh, we get a percentage. We can click on different angles of the pitch uh, uh, so we can see every perspective. We can – same thing on the bases. We get we get everything every day. We get we get positive feedback to to help improve our our, our job on this end. So it's kind of an educational thing too. Where you can uh, maybe miss some down and away calls or down and away pitches, so you can kind of tune in and maybe get a little better at that. I guess it's more of an educational thing than well. I'm sure it's an evaluation thing also, but uh, and I think it's good. Um, I think it's tough, but same token, uh, it's the way you get better. That's how you do get better. And I've logged on before and thought, man, why am I missing that low pitch? What am I doing wrong? Am I, am I, am I getting squeezed out? Am I getting set too low? Am I getting set too late? Because with umpiring, just like in uh, any other, when you officiate any other sport, timing's everything. You got to slow down your timing. And we keep telling ourselves that as young umpires, old umpires, it's nothing until you call it. And it seems like if it's a, it's an extra three or four seconds, but it's an, just an extra second. You see the pitch, you hear you you, you you dissect it, you think, and boom, you make your decision. And if you if you do all that with your timing, it uh, that takes a, that helps you a long way too. Well, I think like from officiating, it's all about concentration, and that's why I, I watch you guys umpire, and I wonder, you know, on third base, how's how do you keep your concentration? Sometimes the game's a terrible game; you think your mind would wander. Next, you know, a guy has a check swing, and you got to make a decision. So. I guess you got to be on your toes all the time, and you can't relax for a second. Otherwise, that's when you get another big call. Yeah, not anymore, especially with this pitch clock. I mean, the game has changed with this pitch clock, and it is. I mean, you're a. You see the old, the old phrase: you're going to go third base and sit in a rocking chair. And there is a, there is no more rocking chair out there. There is so much going on with the clocks, and you have to be, especially the crew chief, but every every guy on my crew, you have to be dialed in nonstop now there is no taking time off you know especially like i said with the pitch clock these games are rolling and there's a lot going on yeah i think what do you think about the new rules love the new rules i love not being on the field for three hours and five minutes three hours and 20 minutes four hour ball games uh i love the pace of the game because that was the big thing you know why they, they put the pitch clock in is because of pace 
I mean, a guy gets the ball, throws the ball, gets on the rubber, throws the ball. And uh, it's it's fantastic. The game is fun again. And I'll speak. I, I, I mean, the game for a few years was getting slow and dragged down. And, you know, it, it's, and, and I just told, you know, the last couple of years, I have had so much fun umpiring again because the game is fun again. Well, people have fun watching it, too. It's like, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't have to have a clock. The guys should speed up on their own, but they don't. So you had to put the clock in. But uh, it's just one more thing the umpires have to monitor, which makes your job even tougher. But it makes the game a whole lot better. It's a lot less dead time, as everybody knows. And it's it's really made a big difference in the game. For sure, especially, you know, with the, with the shift changes and, uh, you know, just everything that they've done so far has worked. You know, they, you know, they put major league baseball has put a lot of work in this and down in the minor leagues with, uh, you know, testing out for the last two, three, four years and everything that, that they have put in has worked. And, uh, from, from, I know from my point of view as a, as a major league umpire, 25 years in the big leagues going into my 26th season, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not so sure about the replay. Um, uh, I know it's, it's good, but sometimes it's, uh, you know, especially a guy pops off the base by an inch or two and they tag him out. That, I mean, that's what the game is all about. But uh, sometimes an umpire can't get the right angle and so forth. So I guess in the long run, it's good. I think you guys like it a lot because they can't blame you for a whole lot anymore. They can just, you know, replay it and see what happens, right? Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, we used, you know, we used to sit and, you know, after games, and if you saw yourself on SportsCenter, you knew you, knew you missed one, you know, and, and those days are over. Because of, because of replay, I mean, you're still going to miss calls, but no one talks about them anymore, which is because they're fixing them. And, uh, you know, it's just like NFL and NBA, you know, you, it's hard. You're not going to get everything everything right, but we're going to get the big plays right. And uh, we, we love that part of it. And uh, I think Major League Baseball has done a great job with that, too. It's like they shorten the time as you can challenge calls. And uh, it's, it's I think that's good for the game, too. But, again, I know fans want everything to be perfect. And everything to be like called 100% right, and you just no matter what you do, I don't think you can ever accomplish that. But uh, yeah. I think what what where we're at right now in the game, I think we're at a good place. Well, I think uh, what do you how do you feel about that automatic strike zone or auto whatever it's called with the you know robot calling it? What do you think about that? Well, again, they're doing their homework for the last two or three years in AAA. I've seen some video, and I think something's going to happen here in the next. Uh, I would say two or three years. I don't know which which way they're going to go. I know that they uh, they've had uh, some good good feedback about the challenge system, where each team will get uh, three challenges per game, unless they they say they challenge, but they they're correctly so they retain that challenge. So I think they like the way that is working right now. I believe, but you know, it just, we'll we'll see how that plays out here in the next uh, two two or three years. I think the best thing, I've seen a lot of minor league games, and the, the best um, version of it is when you have a real umpire, and if the hitter or the pitcher doesn't agree with the call, he can tap his hat, his helmet, and now they can ask the robot guy or the automatic guy if it's a ball or strike. So you can appeal the call that way. But to have every call called by uh, the computer, I, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I think uh, – I think I wonder – you know, we don't know what the player association would say about that too because, you know, those catchers, they have a big part in this game. And that's how they get paid too, framing those pitches, you know. And I don't think they want to lose that aspect of it uh, coming from the player association. So, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, the game's always evolving, and so so we'll just see. We'll see how that one works out. Well, one thing Major League Baseball did really good was that they put in the minor leagues first. So, 
especially that, uh, you know, the speed up rules with the pitcher. So now these guys come from minor leagues and they're sold on it. So they sell it to the other players. So it's, it's a lot more acceptable, but there's still a few pitches that fight it and think it's, you know, screws up their rhythm. And, you know, the shirts has come out and said it causes injury and stuff like that. But I think the fact they had a group of guys come to the big leagues that experienced in the minor leagues, it really helped sell the program. And like you said, and I think everybody watches baseball, says the best thing that's happened to the game in a long time. Well, the game's built around data. and We've seen all the data and it's just, it's right on. And, and everybody loves a good, crisp baseball game. And that's, that's what we're getting nowadays. All right. Ron, what you, you talked a little bit about your, your post game, how you, you break down the post game. You have reports. Talk on a little bit what your preparation is for game to game. Cause you guys are traveling just like the players and you're trying to prepare for different uh, types of pitchers, different catchers. And as, as we, as you know, Bob, I know refereed uh, uh, in his time, the cleaner the game, the easier it is to call the game. So in terms of your preparation, share a little bit with the audience, how much goes into that? Well, things are a little different when you work the plate, when you work a day of a plate job, I, you have a different routine. I always try to get a, a good hour and a half walk in. I, I uh, get a good two hour nap in if I could get that. And just you're meant, you're, you're mentally preparing for that plate job that morning you wake up. And it's a totally different feeling throughout the day, whether you're working third, second, or first. And I'm a type of guy, I've always been this type of guy. I know the rotation going into, this, into the series. I know who's pitching for both clubs. I really don't pay too much about catching anymore because uh, uh, a lot of these guys catch the same. And they're all, you know, we don't have those big, big catchers like we used to when I got to the big leagues. But I always know the rotation. I'm, men- I'm mentally prepared when I work the plate. And it's just a, it's a different, it's a different level. Get to the ballpark about two hours before game time, you know, get, get something to eat, uh, get a good stretch in. Um, and then it's before, you know, it's time to go to work. And, you know, when, when we're out there now as a plate umpire, it's, it's, it's like I said, with the pitch clock, again, you were so dialed in. And uh, before you know it, you walk off the field nowadays, and you're like, wow. I mean, your brain is like working a hundred percent because you're looking at that clock. You're, you know, the pitcher's coming set. He's got to lift that leg up and start that delivery before he hits zero. It's, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. It's a, uh, so you're, you get, you get prepared the best you can, but there's a lot going on. Do you watch, do you watch a video at all? Or do you take in numbers from the, the pitchers that day to know patterns or, or do you just call one pitch at a time? I do not. I just, I just call one pitch at a time. I just, I go out there and I just, like I, I related to earlier uh, about, about timing, just slow down your timing and, uh, just slow down your timing, watch the ball hit the mitt, and then, you know, it goes from there. So, Ron, are you, as a home plate umpire, are you in charge of watching the clock? Yeah, that's 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 who they like calling the violations. Any umpire can call a violation, but we like the plate umpire to call those violations. So, you know, when you're, when you're back behind the catcher and you're looking out towards the pitcher, towards center field each, there's a clock on each side of those, uh, those pitchers. So you can see the countdown, whether it's a left-handed hitter or a right-handed hitter. And at first, you know, this was all new to us. We're like, oh, my gosh, you know, how are we going to get pitches right? But after about, you know, half of a game in spring training, it was uh, it was pretty easy to, to, to get in this new routine of things. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have to look until you think it's, you know, closing in on an amount of time. But uh, it's just one more thing you have to do. But it probably helps your concentration to a certain extent also because you, you get a lot of things to do at once. Yeah, totally. I had the first ejection this this past season uh, with Machado out in San Diego on a on a pitch click violation strike three, and uh, and you know 
I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. The clock is zero. <laughs> no, those are the new rules. I'm, I'm, don't get mad at me. <laughs> That's good. So go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, what, what was that conversation like with, with Manny? Cause he, we saw, I, I, he was a, he was not a proponent of the clock. I remember in preseason, I even think he took an intentional strikeout uh, during the preseason to prove a point. What, what was that conversation contentious? What was it, What was that like? What well, he, was, he was like, he was shocked at first. He just, he's like, Ron, I go, I said, I said, what do you want me to do? I said, the clock hit zero. I said, I have to call you out on strike three. And, and he, you know, he, he complained a little bit and he called me a couple, couple words. So I, he got ejected pretty quick. Yeah. And, uh, and Melvin came out and I explained it to Bob. I go, like, I don't know. I don't know what he wants me to do. And he goes, I, he goes, I understand. He goes out, you know, I'll take care of it. So, but that was, I, I, you know, I set the tone there, I guess with Machado, but you yeah. know, it took, you know, it took, we, we had like a one violation, one and a half violations a game in the beginning. And then, you know, just like everything else, the players get accustomed to it. The umpires got a lot better at it. Players got a lot better at it. And I think by the end of the season, you know, most games didn't even have a violation. I didn't pay much attention to it as the season went on. Early on, it was like the topic of every conversation. But as I was watching more and more games, and I agree, I agree with Bob, and I know Ron, you agree. Obviously, as an umpire, you've got to, you're behind the plate, you're squatting for however long it takes these guys to go. Um, th- th- where I didn't find it out was. Sometimes I'd get home late and I'd try to turn on the end of a game and I'd be like, wait, the game's over already. Right. So um, I think, and you tell me if you, what you think the, I know your, your concentration focus had some timetables to it. Uh, pitchers obviously have to move more quickly, but for me as a hitter on the other side of the stick, I saw it as disadvantaged hitter because processing more quickly does not, uh, that's not conducive to having a better at bat. So um, from an umpiring standpoint, you felt like it helped or, or, did, was there major adjustments from your standpoint? No, I, I thought it helped, and I thought it was a great, a great uh, little another tool in our bag, just because you know we, we call the pitch, and the boom, the, the pitcher got the ball back. You didn't have a lot of time from an umpire or a hitter, like, well, maybe that pitch was a little outside, or but you, but you know though, when you miss one as a as an umpire, you're like, all right, I got to bring that in a little bit. That's a little bit too far, or you know that was a little bit too low. So, but but that process, you're, it's amazing how your brain can uh, can work to that degree and get and, and you know, adapt, adapt that quick to that. And that was one thing about, I used you notice with the hitters a lot this year, if you called a pitch that they didn't like, they really didn't have a lot of time to complain because that clock was starting again. You know, I saved themselves a few ejections this year. And, you know, and we got a few, but you know, it's just, it's just, it's just you know, that's just part of it. And, and one thing I, I really enjoyed about, about the clock, what it put in the game. I didn't, we didn't like the fans and, you know, they didn't have that guy step out of the box and, you know, do his batting gloves again or, you know, the guy's hitting 210 and he gets a walk and he takes 40 seconds to get down to first base and they look at look how cool I look. You know, those days are over and and it's just – I think it's great for um, – I mean, Bob, you can talk about this too, but I think, it, I think sometimes we – you know, I've talked to a lot of coaches and managers and hitters throughout my career and there's so many guys that overthink sometimes out there. And, you know, there used to be a phrase out there, see the ball, hit the ball, you know. And now, and now these with the analytics, everybody's trying to analyze everything, you know. just It was the old thing, see the ball, hit the ball. Well, another thing that used to bother me is that uh, you got a guy in first base, hadn't stole a base in six years, and they throw him over to three times, four times in a row. And I'd say, what the hell are you doing? I mean, you got to know what the situation of the game is and who the runners are, but that's another good rule that you can throw twice, third time it's a ball, or you got to pick them off. Correct. Love that one, too. 
yeah, yeah. And it it's made it easier to steal bases, but you know what? That's okay. I don't know about the bigger bases. That makes any difference, but uh, it makes a few you know, a few inches here and there, I guess. But I think it's more of a safety factor than anything else. Yeah, right? for, sure about, for sure about the safety. And then, you know, talking about the newer bases, too. Once we got out there this year with the newer bases, we didn't even notice them. You didn't notice them one bit. And it was kind of nice, just, you know, because I love the game of baseball. Played my whole life. That's the reason I stayed in and went to umpire school. But, you know, the guy threw over twice. And to see them take that extra step, you know, on that leadoff, you're like, all right. You know the guy's going now. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> but, okay, let me ask you about arguments. Uh, you don't have too many arguments anymore, but when I managed in the minor leagues, I, I got thrown out a few times. But I always had to go to party umpires because I'd tell them after the game or the next day and bring a lineup up, and you did a good job last night. But once in a while, you go out there, you know you're right, you know the umpire's wrong. And I say to him, like, just tell me you might have missed it or just tell me you'd like to see it again. And – if he'd said that, is he right? I might have missed it. What can you say? I can't say anything else. Now, if he kid, no, no, I, I think I didn't miss it. He was out. That was it, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Then that's where the argument starts. So, I mean, once in a while, have you ever admitted that maybe I missed it? Maybe I should have looked at it again? I've seen, I've done that after games. Like the next day, a guy came up and said, hey, uh, player, hey, did you, did you get a chance to look at that pitch? I said, yeah, I, I looked at it after the game. I looked at it again today, and I, I missed it. You know, I, yeah. I, I never had a problem as an umpire. Um, telling a player or a manager or a coach that I missed a play. I wouldn't tell them on that spot when the play was going on. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not for that whatsoever. Um, but I, I didn't have a problem telling them the next day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would never make the guy change it or, you know, make him feel better right then there. But all I, all I had to do is say, yeah, I'd like to look at it again. And then now what can you say as a manager? You can't say anything. And like I said, next day you say, yeah, I might have missed it or I did miss it whatever. But I think the honesty is very important get more credibility that way because they know you're going to miss some calls. You know, you're going to miss some calls, it's just nature of the game. Right. hundred percent. And you know, that was, that's old school too. Back before uh, uh, replay back when you were in the minor leagues and I was in the minor leagues, a manager would come out and say, just tell me you missed it and I'll leave. Right. <laughs> and I'll, I'll go back to the dugout. Then you would tell the, you know, I, I saw umpires, Hey, I missed it. And then a the guy would go berserk and get ejected. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, in the old days when the umpires were in charge, they control the game. If you give them a little crap when you're hitting, you go out and sweep off home plate and say, well, you better be swinging because anything that catcher catches, he's going to call it a strike. So you don't bitch anymore because you know that, you know, he's in charge. But now you guys have to umpire for uh, stats and for your, your scores and everything. So you're really not in charge like you were in the old days. Uh, but that's the technology that's taken over. Technology, the way the game has changed, uh, you know, like we talk about the box on TV, the way we're evaluated. Uh, I think, and you know, these, these players, they make a lot of money nowadays and, and if the score is 10 to one, you know, they're still trying to get that RBI because, you know, they're getting paid to produce. So I get it. I, I totally get it the way the game has evolved like that. So, you know, the game has definitely, definitely changed like that. And, you know, nowadays there's so much, there's so much money being bet on sports and baseball and football and all these sports. And it's a, it's a totally different animal out there. How much pressure do you guys feel from not legalized gambling and stuff? That's got to be a little headache to you a little bit, right? No, we don't. I, I we don't pay attention to that stuff. You know, we know. I mean, you, you can log on to MLB.com or watch the MLB channel, and they're given they're given their who who they think should win. You should bet a, hit a home run that game or whatever. But right. you know, once you get out there between the lines, you you do the best job you could do as always, and you know, and whoever wins wins. So for a bad call or something, 
I guess replay is taking care of that, but you don't you don't have any threats about these gamblers saying, "Hey, you cost the game" and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, we've had uh, we've had death threats. Uh, it happens all the time to us. Uh, you know, you see like some of these players talking recently on social media getting threats. It happens to officials in every sport across the board. We've had I've walked in locker rooms and had one of my colleagues' phone ring from some guy who got his phone number and said, "Hey, you just cost me a five hundred dollar parlay." We've had bomb threats to guys' houses. We've had uh, we've had so much. We've, there's a lot that goes on out there, and Major League Baseball is very, very good with security. Uh, they they jump on this really quick, and because there's a there's a lot of nut jobs out there. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, that makes your job even tougher. But uh, you know, I think everybody respects the job you guys do. They know anything about baseball, and you got some bad games. There's some umpires that have a lot of bad games, but that's all part of the game. Yeah, it's just uh, it's a tough it's a tough way to make a living, and it's a hell of a way to make a living. But it's a it's a tough it's the game has definitely changed, and and it's it's a it's a different game than when it was twenty five years when I got to the big leagues. Right, but you made the adjustments. Everybody has to make the adjustments, and uh, so let me ask you: this. Say you got a young listener, he's a player, but he's not that good a player, but he loves the game. What does he have to do to get into umpire school, and what what's proceeds after that well just like me i played through college and i had a chance to get drafted by the white Sox, and it didn't happen and my father came i was bummed out my father came to me and i was like man we were talking i was like now what because i was gonna be a coach and a teacher and I, I really was looking forward to that my father said well how about umpire school so i went down to harry Wendell stats in 1992 uh his son hunter harry's passed away his son hunter is a major league umpire and he runs one of the schools in uh, daytona beach and then Major League Baseball also runs a school up in Orlando. And um, so you, you, you fill out a uh, – you can log on, go to their, each of their websites. It's a five-, six-week course. It costs you about three grand to go. You have to be 18 years or older. And you go down there, and they teach you how to work a two-man system. And uh, if you qualify and you, 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 you finish in the top whatever their – how many guys they need that year in the minor leagues, you go into the minor leagues and – you try to work your way up and get to the big leagues. So it's, it's a great way to stay involved in the game. It's a hard way to get to the big leagues. Only 1% of us make it to the major leagues. Um, but it's a, if you can get there, it's, it's a blast. But it's a, it's a tough road to get there, as you know about. Minor leagues are you know, a lot of, not a lot of money in the minor leagues, but it's a lot of fun. It's a, especially love the game. It's a great way to stay involved in the game. So you pass the test. You're one of the top guys. You get a job in the rookie league. So what is your – I've heard the guys sleeping in cars and all that kind of stuff because they make hardly any money. I guess it's gotten a little bit better now. Yeah, a lot better now. Guys are getting paid a lot better. They're not staying in the uh, you know the trash hotels. They're concerned about umpire and player safety. Uh, pays went up. Per diems went up. I mean, look how nice some of these ballparks are now that they're playing in in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, they're drawing a lot of fans in the minor leagues. But uh, but it's a tough road. You know, it's as you know back in the day, there's not a lot of money in the minor leagues. But if you love the game of baseball, it's a way to stay in it. Well, it's like an investment, too. And uh, I guess for umpires, like players, almost like one step at a time, right? That's correct. You know, I was very fortunate. Uh, you know, we used to be National League, American League umpires, and I got I got hired by the National League. They bought my contract. And uh, so it's just, I, you know, I can't say enough how blessed and how lucky I am to, to be involved in this game because I love this game. And, uh, I, and I still love it. I got about five or six more years. I still love it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's the best game. I mean, I, yeah. I was thinking today, spring training is two months away. That's, that's crazy, but it'll be here before you know it. And, and people will have sports on every night of the week. Right. 
Hey, Ron, you, were, you as you were making your journey, you started in 92, you made your way to the Pacific Coast League. What, who were some of the names that you ran into along the journey that some of our audience members would, would know? And if you got any stories about them, gosh, we'd, we'd love to hear them. Uh, players, managers. Uh, so a couple of players that, you know, that made it was like, you know, Jason Kendall. Um, there's a lot of, man, there's so many. I mean, I'm, I've come across so many over 31 years. I, I can't even remember them all, but I made some good relationship with guys. Uh, uh, Bobby Meacham. Uh, man, I can go on and on. Bobby Jones used to be at the Texas Rangers. Uh, one of the good stories you'll like about him, he was managing in Tulsa. And I was in double A and we had one of those uh, day games where the kids come to the ball games, right? So yeah, this ballpark in Tulsa is packed with these little these these you know middle schoolers at the game. And Bobby Jones, we had an eleven o'clock game, and Bobby Jones comes out. And he says, uh, "Ron, my wife's in town. I got a cooler full of beer, and I'm going fishing." <laughs> so he goes, "I'm not going to be around after the second inning." And he goes, "So I just wanted to let you know." I said, "Are you for real?" He says. I'm 100% for real. I'm not going to be here after the second inning. I said, you got it. So sure, sure as hell, we have a play at the plate in the first inning. He comes out. He gets ejected. He goes, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, I put that in my report, and uh, my league president at the time called me. He goes, that happened? I go, 100% true. <laughs> and then seeing Bobby Jones later on in, with you know the big league club in Texas, uh, we would always have a good laugh about that one. Yeah, well, I got thrown out. My first time of getting thrown out, I was in Kansas City, and Jim Reynolds, another UConn guy, throws me out. I was, you know, in, like in the, I said, call him both ways, basically, you know. I waved my arm up and down. He threw me out. So I get a letter from Bob Watson, find me $1,000. So I write Bob back. I said, Bob, I've always been good to the umpires. I've always got along with good room. I the first time I ever got thrown out. How about if we go double or nothing? So <laughs> he sends me back. He says, okay. So I see him at the winter meetings that year, and he says, I got that letter on my bulletin board. I thought that was great. <laughs> so, but I never got thrown again, so it didn't cost me anything. But in the meantime, Mike Sweeney wrote a check, but I never sent it to him because, you know, they, they didn't say, you know, they forgot about the fine and everything. But Bob Watson was great that way. And, and the umpires, like I said, I always got along pretty good with the umpires because I respected their their job because I was, you know, an official. Right, and I think you know being official helped me for coaching, and coaching helped you for being official. But like I said before, the fact you played a good college player that helped you a lot for being an umpire. It did just uh, just to know the game and have instincts because you know as a good what makes a good ball player makes a good official or a good manager or a good coach is you got to have good good instincts in this game. And I uh, and, and I think me being around the game, I mean, I played since I could walk, and uh, I give a lot of credit to my father for that. And, and I, you know, and it helps me umpire because I'm anticipating, you know, that two, one count, uh, they're going to pitch out. They're going to, you know, it's a good, good hit and run count back in the day when guys used to hit and run a lot, um, yeah, right. you know, and, and, or this is a bunt situation, you know, guys don't bunt anymore, but I, you know, it was, it was one, I could always anticipate that because I, because I love the game and I, and I teach, I used to teach at the umpire school for eight years and I really have a, I really love working with young umpires in the big leagues because I, you know, I, I can teach them what to expect, but I can't teach them how to react. That's a, that's that's what's called instinct. Right, that's a good point. Who were some of your mentors coming up? Umpire. Uh, Andy Demuth uh, with the National League was one of my favorites. Uh, Eddie Montague, who was just on the uh, Hall of Fame uh, ballot. You know, I enjoyed working with uh, Joe West, Terry Tata, Tom Hallion, Ed Rapiano. 
those guys are all old National League guys that I came up with. Uh, Paul Rungi, he's a, he who he, that's who hired me from the National League. Um, it, the list goes on and on. But I I work with so many Steve Ripley, Gary uh, Darling, you know all those guys. You remember all those guys, Wally Bell. Yeah. You know, it's just all those guys played a real big part in my career because uh, they were all good umpires. And uh, they really, I, I enjoyed working with them, with them, and they enjoyed working with me because they, they really rubbed off on me. Yeah. Well, you also had a lot of fun umpiring. And uh, you can tell the guys who love it, like Steve Palermo was to me one of the best ever. It's a shame he got shot and paralyzed. But uh, I used to sit with him in Kansas City when he was like a supervisor, and we laugh all the time and stuff. But he had a great, you know, makeup for being an umpire, and uh, he had fun doing it, you could tell. And I think that's important that you showed the game you have fun doing it. Totally, 100%. We, we have managers like Jim Leland, uh, you know, the old-timers like that, yourself, Joe Torrey. If you went out there and you busted your butt and you were working hard for nine innings, they, and you might not be the best. You're going to miss some calls and plays like we said earlier. But if you're out there busting your tail for three hours a night, you know they appreciate that, just like they appreciate when their players would go out there and bust it for three hours. And I tell every young kid that's on my crew, we work hard, we play hard. If, for, give me three hours a night on that field and everything will go, won't go perfect, but it's going to go smooth. Well, that's one thing I remember about you. Always, no matter what the score was, what the inning was, you're always out there on top of things. And, uh, you know, you're, you hustled and you did everything to your best ability every time. That's, that's what I respected about you. I appreciate that a lot. And then after the game, you might have a few cocktails here and there. Yeah, every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you've had a couple monumental. I mean, you've had a monumental career, but you've had a couple of big games that the the audience would love to hear about. You caught or you umpired Justin Verlander's no hitter, as Bob mentioned in the the preamble, and you were there for Derek Jeter's three uh, thousandth hit. What are some of the memories you have about those those two experiences? Uh, the the uh, Verlander one was was interesting. I was in uh, my play job before. I was working out in Oakland, and we had the Red Sox and and, and A's, and uh, Schilling was pitching for Boston. He was one out away from a no hitter, and it was the first time he shook off Veritek all game. And sure, he got I forget who he got a hit. So I called my father. We're on the way to the airport. We're flying to uh, Detroit that night, and I said, "Hey, I'll never get that close again." And I'll be damned, my next plate job, I got uh, Verlander through one. Oh, nice. So, yeah, how about that? And then, you know, uh, I had a no-hitter down here in Miami with Wilson out, uh, with Alvarez with the, with the Marlins on the last game of the season. That was, that was against Detroit, so that was my second one. Uh, two World Series, one was in 2011. That was, that was you know, St. Louis was playing Texas. That was un, unre- unreal the way that one, uh, that one ended. Uh, just so many Derek Jeter's, you know, like 3000 hit, like you said, he went five for five that game. I was at first base. Uh, I've, I've had so many good memories. I'm very, I'm very blessed. Two all-star games, uh, world baseball classic, uh, twice, but I guess my, my, my monument is, you know, those world series. And I worked the second, my second one a couple of years ago when Atlanta beat Houston, but the, being on that pinnacle and being the only, only, only show on, on TV that night, only game on, on the board is it's, it's something. How were the umpires selected for the World Series? They're selected amongst uh, ratings. They always try to put a, a couple senior guys in there, and they always try to put three or four new guys in there because you got to give those guys some experience. Uh, but it's based on our ratings. Like there's 76 of us, and we always say we're the best in the world. And our top guy compared to our, our bottom guy is only like a percentage and a half, two percentages difference. So it's not a, a big gap like a lot of fans think. 
But it's a, it's a good process that uh, we have like six or seven supervisors that evaluate us throughout the season. And they, they, put, they put the list together, working uh, different rounds who they think guys need to go here, guys need to go there. And it's a pretty good process. What's the percentage of uh, umpires being correct on ball strikes? Right now, I think our average staff average is over 97, like right around 97.6, 98%. And our bottom guy is probably like 96.2. So you're only talking like maybe four pitches a game. Right. So it's not, not, it's, not a, it's not a big gap like a lot of fans think. I think that's great. That's a tribute to the training. Um, and he said, I didn't realize that was that low of a number that set. We said 76. Yeah. 76 of us. That's correct. And I, I love the percentage you threw out there for the young kids. Everybody harps on how hard it is to be a major league player, which it's, it's, it's unreal. The, the numbers it's stacked against everybody, but it's just as difficult to get to the bigs as an umpire. It sounds like. Yeah. Once you get, if you know, you get released in the minor leagues as an umpire, your career is over, you know, you get released as a, as a player in the minor leagues. you got another team that can pick you up. Yeah. They don't have a draft for the umpires, huh? Right. The supplemental. What, uh, talk to the, about the World Baseball Classic a little bit. I think I think Major League Baseball's gotten that right now. The excitement, the enthusiasm, the timing of it this year. How? Uh, what was your experience most recently? You were in 2023, right? You did this past one. That's correct. I worked down here in Miami. I had uh, I actually worked a perfect game when Puerto Rico beat Israel, and I worked the plate in that one. So that was pretty cool. Even though they, I think they, you know, they they ten run them or had that run rule to end it, but still, you know, it was a perfect game in, in their books. But the way they had that uh, set up this year down in Miami, fantastic. That was a sell. It was loud. That it was some of those games I umpired down there was 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 more loud than any World Series game I ever worked. And I, I hope they keep that going in Miami because that's a that's a hell of a sell. And they hit a home run with that one. I agree. That was exciting to watch, especially at the time of the year. Kind of it inter, kind of intercepted the spring training, but. Players were ready, managers were ready, uh, the fans were ready, and uh, I, I loved it. I'm, I'm, I hope they do continue that as well. Yeah, it was a it was a big hit. Well, Bob, we've kept we've kept Ron for about forty five minutes now, getting close to that hour. What what, what final questions you have? Well, um, I had something I forgot though, but anyway, it's very entertaining and uh, very in- instrumental as far as us learning about the how tough it is being umpire. We all knew that, but you know, some of the stuff you guys go through is just. Uh, Average person, average fan does not know all the stuff that happens in the background and everything. So I think you educate a lot of people on what goes on in the background. And, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on the umpires, no doubt about it, just like a player. I mean, you know, you want to be perfect. And I know from officiating basketball, some days you just can't pull the trigger. You just you just don't have it, you know what I mean? So I'm sure you have that once in a while. It just, you know, it doesn't look right to you. But uh, it's a way of overcoming it. And I think uh, an umpire has to have good skills, you know, when he handles uh, problems with managers or players and so forth and can't have a quick hook, he can't be uh, take it personal, I guess, which I guess yeah, that's what I think you're pretty good at because you can uh, roll with the punches, but you won't hide from anybody either. If something has to be done, you'll take charge. Yeah. I always been, I've always had a reputation of taking care of business, but you know, people's like, well, you know, maybe he's a rat ass, but you know, I only have like one or two ejections a year, but that was, that goes back to the way you were taught. Hey, I'll treat you with respect and you treat me with respect. I know you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. So well, if you've got a question, I'll answer it. But I, you know, just you don't have to scream at me. Just ask, ask, ask me, and I'll answer your question. And then we can agree to disagree, and we'll and we'll keep the game going. But uh, you know, it's a, like I said before, it's a lot of these guys in the big leagues, man, are, are 
hell of an athletes. They're, they're great people, great players. And uh, I, I, as I said earlier, the, the game is going in the right direction for sure. Hey, you know, and you talked about it's it's a tough grind to get to the point you're at right now. And people are starting to understand, I think, just how much time it goes into being a great umpire. We've had a couple couple on the show. We had uh, Ted, Ted Barrett on the show early on um, in our inception. Uh, a lot of umpires in the audience. But as sports people, it's a tough life. Um, who are some people that made sacrifices for you along the way to allow you to lock in on being as at the tight of your game right now as an umpire? Well, I have a lot of credit to my father. Like I said earlier, he was my biggest supporter growing up in the minor leagues. And, um, you know, I got a, a lot of credit to my family, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, and friends and, you know, my son's 28. He's been with me, you know, a lot of my career. And it's just, uh, it's just, it takes a lot, you know, cause we're never home. You know, there's sometimes, you know, we'll come to home plate and a player manager will say, man, I've, I've been on a 10 day road trip. And I'm like, I'm on a 42 day road trip. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen my wife or my dog in 42 days, so it's 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 just uh, you need you need some some support at home. Uh, it's great to have a great crew, and you just got to keep that positive attitude and uh, and keep working hard and and take it you know the old cliche one one game at a time, one day at a time. So you got 25 years, you said, right? Yeah, just I'm going into my 26th season. A lot of young players I know pretty well retired this past year. What what's the retirement age? Is it kind of dictates whatever you want or is there a certain amount of years you have to work before you get any kind of retirement benefits or you're fully vested after 20 and 20 uh in age but you, you can there's no age bracket like you i mean joe west you know he worked into his uh mid-60s we got a couple guys right now staff in their 60s but i think you'll see after this next seven or eight guys retire i don't think you're going to have many of these young umpires work in their 60s anymore they're making they're making pretty good money now uh guys are really smart about investing their money and plus the, the wear and tear, you know, I'm going, I've got to have knee surgery here in a couple of weeks and guys are tired of, tired of uh, breaking down in their sixties. This, this is a young man's game. And uh, I think, and that's why you see so many good young umpires because the game is so fast and so different now. So as far as guy, you, I don't think you're going to see many old timers like, uh, like we've had the last couple of years umpiring in their sixties after I would say uh, four or five more years. Well, yeah, it's a physical game, no doubt about it. If you guys do it and they'll be on home play for, what, 300 pitches sometimes, it's got to be tough. Yeah, like I said, a couple more weeks, another knee surgery on my left. It'll be my seventh knee surgery. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's wear and tear. Well, well, look forward to getting back. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. You'll be ready for spring training. Yeah, yeah. We, we hope so. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. We'll keep an eye. We, we're rooting for you. Uh, we'll, uh, Ron, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Is there a way that our audience can connect with you? Uh, that's something that you want to, to push social media? Or would you rather not be touched on social media? I am not. Uh, I'm not really a big social media guy. I get some news from social media, but that's about it. But uh, when I retire from this game, uh, I'll reach. You know, I'll get back out on your show maybe and, uh, and put some stuff out there because I, I definitely want to stay in the game somehow when, when this is all over. And because uh, I think you know, because I love talking about the game of baseball. And I think that could help a lot of young umpires out there that are you know, amateur umpires, college umpires. So once my career is finished on, on this end, I'll stay involved somehow to, to help that uh, next generation. Yeah, you, you can you can sense your enthusiasm for the game, for umpiring and and for teaching that that came out loud and clear in this episode today. And, yeah, I, I hope you do. Um, we'll, we'll be looking out for you now um, on the games and 
Bob, thanks for a great uh, another great guest today. I think this probably pushed us over the top, buddy. What do you think? Well, I hope so. I mean, it's, Ron's very good. He's a great baseball guy. You know, we talk about coaches and managers being baseball guys, but Ron Culpa is a great baseball guy who happens to be an umpire. That's all I can say. And when I, I pushed this episode out this morning to, to promo it, I got tons of youth umpires that are going to tune into it. So um, we do have to represent the umpires better in our, our network. 383 shows. I think we've only had three on. So uh, Brad Thede was another one, former minor league umpire, former college umpire. But uh, we'll, we'll certainly do that. So, Ron, if you, you're welcome to come back anytime. We'd love to have you um, anytime you feel the, the itch to talk baseball. It doesn't have to be about umpiring. It could be about anything in baseball. If you have any other guys that we think you think we need to promote out there, talk about so that our audience gets a better sense of just how hard the job is and just how much you guys enjoy it, uh, we'd love to have your input on any of that. You've got it. Sounds great. And thanks for having me. And uh, happy holidays to both of you guys. Yeah, you too, Ron. We'll be in touch. You got Hang on with us for a minute here, but to, to our audience, closing in on 60,000, thank you. You guys know what to do. We're battling the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in baseball. So give Bob five stars today. Write some nice comments under there. Blackout Coffee, their slogans: be awake, not woke. Uh, we, we love them. Coffee's on, on shape this month, so use his code, capital B-O-B-S, number 20. Get you 20% off at checkout. Um, get as much coffee as you want. Pass it out to friends. The Ted Kubiak, three-time world champion. Get his two books for the holiday here for your baseball lover. Uh, old School is the first one. Second one is How to Field a Ground Ball. We'll put the location of those books and get them on Amazon. I do know that um, on our show notes for you guys. But with that, episode 383, Real Voices of the Game. Touch them all with Bob Schaefer and Ron Culpa. Thanks so much, guys. Tough. Try that in a small town